Hi friends, I'm Blue Mitchell, photographer, publisher, and now podcaster. You're listening to The Diffusion Tapes, a podcast where I chat with photographers, curators, and writers working in the field of fine art photography. More specifically, these tapes are conversations with people I've befriended on my journey as an artist and publisher. So now I get to learn a little more about these folks that I admire and respect, and I'm inviting you into our conversation. Welcome to The Diffusion Tapes. Thanks for tuning in to our second session of The Diffusion Tapes. For this taping, I sat down with one of my longtime favorite photographers and dear friend, Lori Verba. I was first exposed to Lori Verba's work in 2010 when we were both invited to exhibit at the Light Factory. I met her in person a few months later while reviewing portfolios at Photonola. Over the years, I've published Lori's work a few times in Diffusion Magazine, and we've become good friends. Lori lives in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. She's a multimedia, or mixed-media, photographer, a curator, retreat host, and fire eater. In our chat, Lori tells a nice story about our first meeting face-to-face at Photonola. We also talk about her journey in life, her personal work, her friendship with Keith Carter, some notable exhibits, and her involvement with Pigs Fly Retreats and Click Photography Festival. So now, you can listen in on my conversation with Lori Verba. Well, let's just talk about here right now. I mean, let's jump jump right to the let's present. Let's just be here right so now. So I'm here with Lori Verba, and we are in Durham, North Carolina, looking out a window at the Marriott. Mm-hmm. And Lori and I both, but Lori, more importantly, is just wrapped up like pretty much the bulk of Click Photography Festival. It's got a couple things left hanging, but... Most of the big events are over. Reviews are over, which is mm. why I was here. That's a biggie. And Keith Carter had many things going on, uh, exhibit and talks. I didn't go to the, f- there was a film showing, correct? I didn't go. Oh, yeah, there was a screening yesterday screening. of his documentary. Mm-hmm. Screening of the documentary. And then, mm-hmm. um, was the book there, his new book, or is not ready yet? So, yeah, Keith, that, that was really at least... Part of the inspiration to bring him here this year for this festival is his book from University of Texas Press, Keith Carter, 50 Years, kind of says it all, Yeah, is coming out any minute. And I was hoping he would get here with one at least because, you know, he did his residency here in uh, the summer with Castle House. Hmm. And so I actually saw the book all laid out and um, that's how we really curated the exhibition that's here and it's close i mean it'll be out probably in two weeks sure could be a month but yeah but it's not here yet i'm giving him a hard time about that fact (laughs) it was a pleasure to meet him he's so gracious like i said before um, i feel like his artist talk it was definitely the best, but uh, for me personally, but the, and the reason I, I say that is because, it, you know, he didn't, he didn't really talk about his work mm. that much. He talked about life. Mm. And I feel like his approach was so genuine. Mm-hmm. He talked about poetry a mm-hmm. lot and the written word and the influence that has on him and photography in general. And I just, I think, every, I mean, he got a standing ovation. People I were just, so excited. I completely love it. it I don't think really I've ever happy. seen any standing ovations at an artist talk either. No, it just, <laughs> it gives me chills. And I'm so happy for him and so proud to have had him here. 
you know, and I introduced him at the Nasher, and I knew I had to really detach myself to get through it because you don't really want to go into the ugly cry in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. that's not really going to be appropriate. So, <laughs> But it means a lot to me for him to be here, and it feels odd and kind of full circle that he's had this huge influence on my life, and and now he's kind of all embedded in this scene that is also my life and Mm -hmm. and he's being really celebrated and he's and everyone's just loved it he's been really generous so it's kind of it's a big year for me here yeah so you can see that would be somewhat difficult because you're a personal friend Mm -hmm. so how do you make sure that you're separating your emotional state (laughs) from? well i really tried to um you know when i was preparing that introduction i knew i was really writing it from my heart because you have to be sincere in those moments and tell the truth and but then I've rehearsed it so many times that I knew I could say it and and detach from the feelings enough to sure. where I would not lose it up there so that would be embarrassing <laughs> no it, it was beautiful <laughs> thank it was you great. thank you so you met Keith how long ago 10 years 10 years ago that's that coincides Lori with uh, your like I wouldn't, I wouldn't blow be doing up in any photography. Of mm-hmm. I mean, looking at your resume, if you go back mm-hmm. ten years, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're on the map. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so let's go back even farther. So, you were born in Texas. I was actually born in Albuquerque. Oh, down in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but I was not. I wasn't there long. So I actually never talk about that because. I mean, I, I, we moved to Texas when I was maybe three. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't really have much memory of that time right. period. Right, yeah. right. And then you moved to Texas. Where at in Texas? Southeast Texas. It's a tiny little town that is notorious, and it's called Vider, Texas. Vider. If you look it up, you'll have a lot to read. It's okay. a Texas Monthly magazine. I can't remember the year that they published this, but... It's a beautiful magazine in in Texas, and the cover said, Meanest Town in Texas. (laughs) And it was whole publication on Vider, Texas. That's how tough it is. To be the meanest town in Texas, that's really saying something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's, I'm going to have to look that up, because that that intrigues me. What does mean really mean? (laughs) Well, every version of mean exists there, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's rough um, and tumble. And so then you you grew up there mostly in that area. I grew up there, and, you know, that's five minutes. It really is, I said, you know, it's ten minutes over the bridge from Beaumont, which is where Keith still lives. So I moved to Houston when I was probably in my late 20s and was there until I moved here 11 years ago. So I've been here in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. When we moved here, I had just always known I was going to leave Texas at some point. I've known it since I was like 14 years old. I will leave Texas. Mm -hmm. And I love Texas. I really do. I just really knew I was supposed to live someplace, just at least try to see what it would be like to live someplace where there are four seasons, um, Mm -hmm. which that has been completely fascinating to me. Utterly, because you know, in Texas, I'm not kidding, especially Southeast Texas, there are two seasons really fucking hot and not quite so fucking hot. 
<laughs> Maybe that's what everybody's mean. It, it makes you angry. <laughs> it makes you angry. So, yeah, that's been really wonderful. But there was a window of opportunity where my kids were a certain age where I could get out of there. And I knew it had to happen like in a, within a year. And so that was huge, too. You know, I came here. I didn't know anyone for a thousand miles. The landscape looks completely different. The culture is completely different. It's harder than I think it's going to be to, mm-hmm. to pick up and move and not know anyone. Right. And I met Keith, you know, within about a year of that time. Everything sort of happened. I started, you know, making pictures I cared about and mm-hmm. got a real hard focus on um, that. So were you doing photography on a regular basis prior to that? I was, but I had no intention of becoming an artist. But I did love the camera. I was home with my children, and I just started making pictures of them. And I've said this before, but I, I never wanted to just make pretty pictures of them or, be, or beautiful pictures of them. I wanted to make photographs about what I felt like being with them all day, Groundhog Day, <laughs> every, you know, for mm-hmm. like 10,000 years of, sure. mm-hmm. and, and I loved that time, but it was a really strange time and it, and I'd wanted it for a long time. And then I have three and, you know, you kind of accidentally got three because you ended up having twins. Right? Yeah. So I have, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. my first son was five when the babies were born. And so I was making pictures just about what I felt like. And then a as a mother, and then other moms that knew me started asking me to make pictures of their children, and so it became a business, which also was not ever my intention, and it was successful, and I did that for quite a while, and I was still doing that when I moved here, and I hated it. Mm. I mean, I really hated it, and I kept thinking I'd get over that, and, mm-hmm. and then it just finally occurred to me, I'm not supposed to make a photograph to please someone else. Somebody else, yeah. and I'm and I'm not. I don't think I'm good at it because I hate it so much. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. And so once I figured that out, and I pulled the plug on the business, then I fell in love with photography again, completely. Nice. Yeah. Well, and uh, I can see, like, knowing your work now, it is very much about you. And It's all about me. Yeah, and <laughs> so, and doing the things that satisfy, you know, you instead mm-hmm. of, you know, working for somebody else, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I think photography is very interesting, because there's so many approaches to it, mm-hmm. so many ways, so many avenues, and we all dabble in the ones that are, we're less comfortable with. Yeah. And then I'm glad that you came back to mm. Well, I met you back in... Um, 2010, at my first time I was invited to be a reviewer, which was just as nerve-wracking as um, walking in as a photographer to be reviewed. I remember it perfectly, <laughs> because it was it's crazy, and it's crazy we're sitting here, and that you're my dear friend now, and that was a wild time for me, because it was... I was going to Photonola. I was doing a show in an old mansion that was really different than anything I had ever seen, and I had never done anything like it. It was an installation. I, it took me a whole year, a full year. I did not do anything but figure out that show and that house. And 
So how did you get? How did you even get this exhibit? It was in a um, an old house. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was going to go to Photonola to, for the reviews. I knew I was okay. going to be reviewed. Mm-hmm. I just signed with Jennifer Schwartz, who was uh, you know fairly right out of the gate as mm-hmm. a gallerist, right. but she's a savvy and a big thinker. She knew I was going for the reviews, and she was going to be reviewing there. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Well, we need to." Start stir up some, you know, attention. And so we came up with this idea. It would be kind of like a pop-up, but, you know, no sloppy magnets <laughs> on, on the wall. But no, do some, no temporary. Yeah, <laughs> take the idea of a pop-up, but then, you know, amp it up or crank the volume way up and actually make it an amazing show. And it's only one night. Mm-hmm. And that one night part was the kick because... It worked, and I still get asked about it all the time. I think it was PDN magazine said the infamous Lori Verba's one night stand pop up. You know, mm, there, nice. There's this. Nice. <laughs> were you there actually? But my life changed that night. Um, so I was in NOLA. I got the show installed, and then I had two days of portfolio reviews before the show opened. And so I was exhausted by the Mm -hmm. time I walked into the portfolio review. And I was showing, for the very first time, the project that it was going to be exhibited in the house, Piano Farm. And you were my first review. I told you you were my first review, and you said, and you are my first review. And I thought (laughs) you meant, like, for the day. Oh, right. And you said, no, ever. You said, this is my my first time to be a reviewer. And you're my first review. And you looked at the work, and you said some nice things, and then you got to the end of it, and you said, well, I think I'm going to suck at this, because all I have to say is I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, it doesn't suck for me. (laughs) Well, it was certainly a good way for for me to start, but also might have been a little misleading about what the experience of being a reviewer is going to be like. Wow, this is how how it is? (laughs) This is amazing. It's just how it is with me and you, Blue. You know, it just felt so real to me. Mm -hmm. And it felt very inspirational. And then, oh gosh, when I saw the exhibit, it just blew my mind. That was, um, it's no exaggeration. I know it changed me and shaped me as an artist, but it changed me as a person even. Mm -hmm. And that's no joke. Well, it's interesting too now seeing, you know, over the last 10 years or or I guess it's only been eight eight years since then, you know, that install you did, it wasn't like um, you said you weren't just temporarily putting prints up, but you had made these Mm -hmm. crazy frames Mm -hmm. that that really suited the house really well. That well, that was important. The house was this honorable place. Mm-hmm. It was this mansion that was, the, if I, I want to make sure I get this right, it's called the Louise Arsene Vitry House, and I think she was the first woman of color to ever own property in Louisiana. Oh, okay. And so, if I may be saying that incorrectly, but I'm close there. We'll fact check it later. Yeah. Good. <laughs> have you have your team fact check? Well, yeah. It. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the house was honorable, and I didn't want I didn't want the mansion to overwhelm my work, mm. and I didn't want my work to disrespect the space, right, right. and that was some finagling to figure out. And, Especially you know, when you don't like live there. Right? And there's no lighting. There was mm. no lighting oh, right. yeah. to light each piece. Yeah, it was um, a gallery. 
the wonderful gallery mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yeah. Their gallery director is who put me in touch with the guys that own the mansion. Mm. Is that Eddie? That yes, yeah. and Eddie also curated the show. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, well, we good. were doing everything we could to sort of get local people engaged in any way with the idea, because that was only going to help us promote mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, for sure. That was that, a good choice. That was a biggie for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what I was going to say is that you had these frames, and then there was also a, there was a dress, wasn't there? Or was it a, mm. a, or was it a um, yeah, dress? It was a skirt that I made out of sheet music. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And I'd made that while I was shooting Piano Farm because I was dying to shoot this one day and I didn't have anybody to work with, but I knew I needed some kind of human form and I had this dress form. And I'd also been thinking, you know, I've not really used sheep music in any way and that could be something that would be interesting to work with. So I just spent the half of the day making this sheet music skirt which didn't suck and and then i and then i just took it and hauled it all over piano farm shooting it and it wound up working really well and so i still had it and i thought well maybe i'll just take it to the show and it'll be part of the installation that was great because knowing what i know now about your work and how it's developed there's a lot of installation work and objects what's the term for the boxes and stuff assemblage assemblage thank you gosh it's early it's Not okay. <laughs> you know what? Assemblage uh, pieces, and that you developed more and more over mm-hmm. the years. And yeah. Mixing photography with assemblage mm-hmm. and installation. Mm-hmm. And then you also do you know, video work as well. So I, I really appreciate all the mediums that you've... Mm. You know. And what's interesting is it's all, it's all Lori, though. They're not disconnected in any way. Oh, thank God. Mm-hmm. Well, that was one of the things that, that scared me. Because, you know, I've been focused and serious... About fine art photography, that, that's a funny term, isn't it? Fine art photography, who came up with that? <laughs> um, for 10 years, to me, I'm, you know, I'm a toddler in, in this scene, in right. the, within the medium. Mm-hmm. I've tried to be really thoughtful about what direction I ever go in. I'm too young in this to not make sure my voice is clear. People have to actually know who you are or you're not going to matter. So far, I don't think I've gotten too far off the tracks. But, you know, like I love, of course, wet plate and uh, large format. And to me, those things are would uh, take me off course a little bit at this stage because the learning curve is so massive. And mm-hmm. I think you have to be really fully invested in it. And so I try and d- just make choices where still on you know the same path but entertaining myself right that's the <laughs> that's the most important part <laughs> it is because i i don't want to make the same thing over and over mm. again and when i find myself feeling that i am it it just stops okay so well i'm, I'm gonna work backwards okay um, i'm gonna talk about how this fox talbot museum oh thing came up can Mm. you explain so it this was in tell me when it was again we were there for the for the closing reception in march no may 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 of this year yeah yes so you curated Uh, a show yes and it showed at fox talbot museum for fox talbot museum okay how Mm. did how did this happen it was wild yeah that's a 
That's going to go down in the books for me <laughs> as like one of the most um, amazing days when Roger Watson, who is the curator, he's been the curator for the Fox Talbot Museum for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And he's followed me on Facebook, and um, which I just remember the day he followed me on Facebook, I felt like something amazing had happened. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. People who say, oh, you know, that Facebook is a giant waste of time, well, you're doing it wrong then. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because he had been following me, and I posted an old picture that I'd made of my daughter just because I kind of, I'd just come across it and I felt sort of sentimental about it. And so I put it up there and I knew he liked it, but then I didn't really pay attention to the post for about a day. When I went back to it, he had commented and said, I've messaged you. Can you please check your messages? Hmm. And I go to the messages and he says, there's something I want to talk to you about, but it's too much to do except if, if I could talk with you on the phone, would you mind sharing your phone number with me? Well, um, wow. no, I wouldn't <laughs> mind. So I sent him my phone number, and he calls immediately. Hmm. He first told me that he really enjoyed my work and that he had been paying attention. Then he began to tell me about the fact that it was the 100-year anniversary of women's suffrage in the U.K. Hmm. So they were calling it the Year of the Woman. Okay. And he said... You know, to me, to me, it really feels like women are taking photography. And I said, oh, no, we done took it. <laughs> and he said he really wanted to do two shows, one that would run six months, which would be American women photographers, and one that would run six months and it would be European mm-hmm. women photographers. Because he said he felt like that there was a real difference in sensibility between the two, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah. He's saying all this to me, and I'm I'm sitting there holding my breath because I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to ask me maybe to put a piece mm-hmm. in this exhibition, in show, yeah. and I was just thinking, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Right. And then he said, he fin- he tells me all that, and he goes, but I'm a dude. What I want is for you to curate the show. I just fell out on the floor, like I thought, there's no way he just said that. <laughs> There's no way. And it was like the room started spinning. I was, and I swear, for two solid days, I was kind of in this daze because it was so fantastical that I thought, I'm going to wake up at any moment. It's going to be a funny dream because there's no way this is happening. Mom, one of my best friends said, It's like you became an astronaut. <laughs> So who was the first person you told about it? I think it was my husband was the first person. Mm -hmm. My best, lifelong best friend, Becky, was the second person. And then I became very careful about who I told because I was very nervous about the responsibility and what it would mean to people to be in that show Mm -hmm. and how I was going to make those decisions. And then I felt Yeah, it immediately put that curatorial hat on. And and I don't like hurting... People think I'm tough, and I am tough and sometimes harsh, but I actually don't like hurting anybody. And I knew what it would mean to people to be in that show. And mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of really talented friends who are artists and women who would give anything to be in that show. So then I thought, oh, my God, now I have to do it. 
Yeah, it's a it's a blessing, but also a uh, bit stressful. Yeah, it's, it's a little stressful. Mm-hmm. And and then of course he said, and you know, Laura, you have to be in the show, and I want you to curate it. And maybe it was a month or so before the actual exhibition, and I knew I wanted to go in and make prints specifically for the exhibition. Mm-hmm whether I had them or not, like I want to make the best print I can make for this exhibition. And I'm printing in my dark room, and I know they're going to the Fox Talbot Museum. I'm thinking, how am I going to make anything good enough to be in the Fox Talbot Museum? And then I just thought, well, you can't. Right. But you have to give it all you can just because of the honor of the whole thing. Nothing of mine deserves or is worth, you know, it's just too big. I know I'm gushing and it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me and that ever will happen to me. Yeah. That's great. So the show is called Tribe, and you took some of the tribe members over yeah. there. Yeah. So you were able to actually be there. And yeah, every artist, well, came for the reception. Oh, everyone made it. I, everyone. Didn't, I didn't realize everyone made yes. it. Yes. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then some, because everybody had friends. And, and there were, truly, there they sent a coach bus to Bath, where we were staying, and we filled the bus. It was like 30 people. Mm-hmm. For the night of the opening. And That's great. Yeah. And now Roger Watson is actually just a dear friend. I call him my fairy godfather. <laughs> Appropriate. <to him. laughs> That's great. The other thing that you're very active in doing is this Pigs Fly retreat oh, yay, with Ann Berry. And you started that, well, it's been four or five years. No. Has it been longer? Oh, you know, well, the idea was kind of, we were tinkering with it four or five years ago, but the first real retreat for Pigs Fly Retreats, I think we're about to do our fifth one, mm-hmm. um, was just a couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah. Ann Barry and I do that together, and that is uh, one of the great treats of my life. I get to go on the next one in 10 days or something. Oh, no. That's and I'm living for it. Because, you know, I get very centered. It's our retreat, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. so that we don't teach anything, but we all learn the whole time we're there. Mm-hmm. We, we really just put this environment together that's inspiring and rejuvenating and centering. And, and then we all leave you know, with the experiences and photographs and, you know, new relationships and the relationships, you know, stay with you. So it's a pretty great scene. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you can tell, I mean, I know mostly artists that have, that, mm. that have been going, or at least I followed their work. Um, a great example is the Murmuration show that's up right now mm-hmm. here that opened last night. Is seeing you know several of the artists have been to Pigs Fly, mm. and and you can see how the work. It, I mean, there's so much work from the retreats in the show, and how everyone is collaborating you know there's so many images that are from multiple artists that are bleeding into the other artists i think that's really fascinating to see the results of what you guys have been doing with pig's flag in a totally tangible way other than the inspiration that each individual walks away with when heidi did it she was just like walking on air for weeks (laughs) well same with the fox talbot she's still walking on air from that but um yeah, I think that uh, it's really been intriguing to watch how individual artists, I mean, I think it's been pretty life-changing for a few of them. I it, mean, because you can see a shift in the work suddenly. Yeah. And you can, if you can see it in the art, then you, you can just make guesses on how it has um, helped with confidence and putting yourself out there. 
Well, you're going to make me cry. Maybe it's just because I'm really tired. We start each retreat with what we call a welcome lunch because the only way you can get on, we, we do it on the barrier islands off mm-hmm. the coast of Georgia. We've been doing it on Asaba and this next one's on Cumberland, but you have to ha- you have to have a boat to take you over there. There's no ferry, there's no bridge. And so the participants all come over on the boat and then we really like to walk from the dock to the boarding house because it's kind of, you know, stepping into this uh, space and time where it's going to be different, mm-hmm. you know. And so we like this kind of ceremonial idea of walking together. And then we have a welcome lunch outside on the porch. And there's always crying at the welcome lunch hmm. because people start to just be vulnerable and tell the truth right away. That's really important for the retreat. I think that's why so much comes out of it. Mm. But it is incredible, the show that Topia Macover's curated, Murmurations, that opened last night. The fact that, yeah, you're exactly right, we're all meshed in each other's work. The retreat's just one example of how that's really true in my mm-hmm. life at this point. I, you know, I've always known that I, I, well, I haven't always known it, but since I've been an artist, I've recognized the fact that making the work is a sustaining, you know, really important thing for my life. What has been a surprise is how important the community has become. They're just as important. The people that I'm connected to in the art world are as important to me as making the work. Hmm. That's completely true. Sure, that and sense I, of community mm-hmm. and, and, well, actually, what you've been calling it is your tribe. Yes. You know, finding your tribe and then seeing how the tribe expands. Find you your know? tribe, love them hard. And it's just, that's been the big surprise to me is how life-changing that has hmm. been and how, now how critical to my well-being that is. Well, and what's, what's really great about that is it's not just about your local community, but it's about your international community. It's like right. you have a your your tribe is extensive, yeah, you know, all over the, the world. Well, that's what's crazy cool about the medium, and we're lucky because I don't think it's true about all mediums, but we are a pretty tightly wound community of artists. Mm-hmm. That's one of the coolest things about photography. Yeah, it's unique. We're all in up way. in each other's business. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's well, it true. is true. I know yeah. what you're doing all the time, Blue Mitchell. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, likewise, for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think um, that's what, I mean. That's the reason I'm always so intrigued, and I'm still doing what I do because mm-hmm. of because of the community and the the friendships I've made. And the perk is, I get to see some amazing art, you know. Yeah. So, and I think like last night I was. I was telling Keith Carter that I got emotional, and I think it's in part because the work was great. Probably mostly because I was just proud of, oh, you know, the show and and the um, the development of people in the show. Mm. You know, over time, most of the artists in the show I've known their work for a while, mm-hmm. and at least the ones I've been working for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, half of them I met last year when I came here to mm. click, so, and it bonded with them. That show is a great example of that tight knit community. Tribe. We wanted it to be, you yeah, know. It feels just, that way. It's absolutely a statement, you know, about this very idea of the connectedness and how much better it is when you are connected. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is totally a random question mm. because I was curious and I was going to bring it up earlier, but I didn't want to stop our conversation. But I was going to ask you about the twins because I know you were photographing your kids at one point uh, more so than. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about being a mother of twins. I'm curious about their connectivity mm. and how that affected them growing up and, mm. and if any of that dipped into your artwork at all. Well, it, it's been fascinating. Um, I was never one of those women who wanted twins. <laughs> I, I wasn't. Well, once I had one and I understood how difficult it is to keep one alive. Mm-hmm. Now, I never wanted them. And honestly, when I found out I was pregnant with the twins, I was completely terrified It took me a while to get really comfortable with even being pregnant with two. But I finally did, and before they were born. But they were also born premature. All three of my kids were Mm. pretty seriously premature. When I got them home, I was concerned about my five-year-old, who I had been an only child for five years, Mm -hmm. and now being overwhelmed by the fact that, oh my gosh, everywhere you go, everywhere you go with, you know, a twin stroller, Mm -hmm. there's conversation about them and questions about them. And, you know, it's a bit of a freak show Mm -hmm. and and how that was going to impact him. I was really nervous about that. And, but he's been an amazing big brother. But the other thing that was such a surprise to me is the, is the awful things that people say, they would say, oh, Bet you're, you'd probably give me one because you, you don't want to, hmm. or better you than me, hmm. or, you know, it was always... You have your hands full. <laughs> oh, and, but it was always this kind of like, um, God, what an, what an awful life. You've got your twins. And there was this day I was in the grocery store, and that was quite the freak show. You know, I had the twins in a double stroller, and then the full grocery cart, so you have to just drag and pull and and the five-year-old, and I was struggling, and and I was checking out, and this older woman was ahead of me, and she stood there and kind of watched me trying to get it all maneuvered, and I'm never going to forget her. She just said, you know, honey, God wouldn't give this to just anybody. Wow. He knew you could handle it. That's great. And I did, and loved it, actually. Yeah, it's amazing watching... The two. Um, One's a boy, one's a girl, Grayson and Olivia. Hysterically funny. The way they would, it's teamwork to figure out how to get to the top of the pantry and get the box of Cheerios. But, you know, it was fascinating. Hmm. Totally fascinating. So as they're getting older, did you, what's your older son name? Aaron. Aaron. Did Aaron take a big brother role and how did he deal with it when he was, as they were getting older? Well, it's been, that's been remarkable because He's always been that. He considers them his as well. Hmm, So they're entering their senior year, and my son has graduated from college, and he now lives and works in Virginia. And so, you know, I make my kids on the first day of school, I take a picture of them on the porch. Mm -hmm. And so I'd taken that picture, and they'd left for their last year of high school. And I sent it it to Aaron, and I I I put it next to... um, their first day of kindergarten, and then mm-hmm. I had the first day of their mm-hmm. senior year, and I sent it to my oldest son, and he wrote back and said, oh, my God, <laughs> it's making me cry. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mom, we got so lucky. 
he's that invested mm. in raising them and parenting them. That's great. And he, we couldn't have done it without him. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. I got to meet your husband last night for the first time. Yeah, Jim Verba yeah. made an appearance. He did. It's mm-hmm. great to meet him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was so friendly with everyone. I really enjoyed his energy. He's proud because, and and you should be because he plays a huge role in it actually. Mm, yeah. And he knows that, and he knows it means a lot to me. And so let's get back to um, you know the reason I'm here and I'm able to talk to you is for for Click mm-hmm. Photo Festival, which has mm-hmm. been going on what. It, well, you get, it was pretty quiet for a few years. I didn't even know about it. No. It's it, it been, what, six years or something? Well, so it's actually had several iterations. It started, gosh, and I don't know, I think it's seven years ago, but it wasn't even called Click. It was oh. really just a local thing. It was, then it became something else. It's just, it's only been what you're seeing right now for three years. Hmm. Became a different animal. Um, about so yeah, this is our third year. We're really taking shape right. in the current state. Yeah. How did how did you get involved with Clue? Well, Bryce Lankard made me do it. <laughs> he just he asked several times if I would work on the festival, and I answered several times no. But then he just asked the right way, and I said yes, and and it's been you know pretty much uh, all consuming since then. Mm-hmm. We we're never had we never have the idea that we want to kick it up a notch. We just don't want to. Um, have a year that is any less than what we've done. It's been really trippy. But, you know, one of the reasons that I am part of the festival is I have participated in them a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I would get in the car or get on a plane and go participate in these things to get to community. And it's been so important and valuable to me and that's partly why I also started the Pigs Fly Retreats with Aunt Barry and the festival is I thought, well, what would it be like to facilitate something like that for people? Mm-hmm. Not just take from it, right. but to help provide that. Well, so you have the inside knowledge on what works and yeah, I do. what maybe doesn't and, mm-hmm. and being... Um, and what's missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, and seeing... I mean, there's just, there's so many different festivals and the styles are so different. Right. The amount of people, those, you know, the scale is so right. different from all of them. Yeah, they're all completely different. You and Bryce and the team have definitely carved out this unique experience. I mean, they everybody goes home like it's a... It's like I said earlier, like they're walking on air, you know. So oh. it's, um, rejuvenation retreat of course everybody's exhausted at the end so. oh yeah but you know sleep later <laughs> exactly, exactly no it's uh this this year especially the people have been i mean across the board there's no stinkers in the bunch um, mm-hmm. this time around it's been so nice mm-hmm. so yeah and yes everybody is exhausted but and the team which is tiny We are the little engine that could. Like, that is just not even, that that is no lie. We were exhausted before it started, just getting it to the finish line. But then everybody shows up, and the energy and just exuberance of the people who are here for this thing we've put together, well, you know, you can run on that for a long time. And Mm -hmm. so adrenaline kicks in, and... 
Well, it makes it worth it. Yeah, you know, it does. Once, once that you've been you, you've all been working in your little bubble to get yes. this thing, and then when it's it's here, it's like okay, wow, this is amazing. You know, it's like the crescendo of the year essentially of planning. Well, you've done some unique things from other festivals I've been to. You've extended the rev- like the review lengths. You also juried the participants. What I haven't seen is how much they have become VIPs. Oh. You know, when they come, because they've already been juried in to be a participant and get their portfolios reviewed. So they see all the reviewers this year, which was new. And I think that from my talking with the participants at events, that how grateful they are to be here and how much fun they've had because Mm -hmm. they've been treated so well. A lot of the other festivals, there's a lot of competition, I've noticed. Yeah. I didn't feel that here because um, the competition was over. You know, they yeah. everybody gets to see everybody. And yeah. It's small enough that you actually get to know people, which I like that intimacy between reviewers and, you know, and your guests, your, the guests that you bring in as well to do this, mm-hmm. the speaking engagements and all that kind of stuff. I feel like everyone's just been so accessible, which is really great. Yeah, one of the things I've really um, cared about about bringing in the artist to be reviewed, and I've done a lot of reviews myself as an artist, one thing I always felt was, you know, you spend money and time and put your guts in it just getting ready to go and being prepared to go. Mm-hmm. You've got this portfolio ready to roll. And then you spend money getting there and money to invest in the review itself, and you walk in feeling desperate. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do everything I could to remove that element. Walk in feeling like a fucking rock star. Mm-hmm. Try that on. <laughs> you know? Show your work from that place. Right. I think it worked really well. Seems like it did. And yeah. so, yeah, we just wanted to, you know, celebrate them at every turn and treat them just really just like we treat the keynotes and mm-hmm. the reviewers and the. Right. And keep it, let's put everybody on the same plane, you know? It's not us and them. It's us. (laughs) Well, and everybody went bowling together. The bowling. That breaks down some. (laughs) You know, we love the bowling so much that we're saying next year, like, we're done with the photography thing. We're just going (laughs) to (laughs) bowl. It wasn't one of the reviewers. She's like, I'm going to come as long, but I need to know we're bowling. (laughs) She only wanted to talk to me about the bowling. She was coming under the ruse of the idea of art, but she was actually about the bowling. Yeah. (laughs) That's classic. So tell tell me, I know you have a retreat coming up, so Mm -hmm. that'll probably be pretty great for you. Are you working on new work? Uh, Well... um, I know, you, I know you're always working. But. This year, this past year, um, well, I'm, I, I think I am pretty prolific. I mean, I work seven days a week. Mm-hmm. I, I always have been that way. But this past year, between curating the Fox Talbot Show, the retreats, uh, I, I had major reconstructive hand surgery. Mm, that's right. Um, and then the festival, it is... Uh, been my slowest year creatively just as far as my own work and that feels wrong and I feel I'm a little too detached from it and Monday everyone flies out of here and I'm going to really carve some serious time out which Hmm. needs to happen. Do some art therapy? No, I'm going to do a little art therapy. (laughs) Yeah, that's going to feel good. Good. 
So well, I'm going to let you go because we have to go to, was it Horse and Buggy? Horse and Buggy Press. Mm. Shout out for Horse and Buggy Press. <laughs> no, Dave Wofford is the bomb and he's totally cool and we're going to his place. It's going to be a good time. All right. Well, let's get going. All well, right. Thanks for being on here with the, with the whatever the name of this new podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for chatting with Blue. Oh my God! In your fancy microphone mm. and your headphones, yes, it's quite professional. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was fun. Tape two with Lori Verba. So the tribe exhibit that Lori was referencing has apparently now traveled from the Fox Talbot Museum to the Center for Photographic Art, which is in uh, Carmel, California. It'll be up till the end of February. So if you're in the area, I would recommend it. By the way, Lori Verba has a book. She published her first monograph of Daylight Books back in 2015. It's called The Mothwing Diaries, and you can find it on her website. Big thanks to Lori for sitting down and talking with me. Here's some exciting news. Jeff Louvier just released the Diffusion Tapes theme song along with an accompanying music video. Actually, it's kind of a call to action. Check out our website, diffusiontapes.com, for details. Thanks again for spending time with the Diffusion Tapes. In my next tape, we find out why Heidi Kirkpatrick's husband will never get a pair of cyanotype pants. Doug said, why don't you make something with pants? And I'm like, why don't you make something with pants? (laughs) I'm "I'm making it with a dress. (laughs) 